Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. Well, good morning, everybody. It is so good to see everyone today and to have you here today. And uh, I'm excited to bring to you our third message in the series called Smart Water. And uh, we talked about last week about smart water, how about everybody wants something better, and Jesus is better. Amen? And I'm so smart that I refilled my smart water bottle last week rather than go get another one because I am frugal. I'm not cheap. I am frugal, bless the Lord. That's the redeeming word for cheap. Hallelujah. All right, are you all ready for the Bible today? Very good. I'm going to open up with John chapter 4 verses 25 through 26, and it says this. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one who am speaking to you, I am he. Let's take a moment and let's pray and let's jump in the word today. Father, we thank you so much who you are. We thank you for the story that we're studying and learning together in, the, in, in your word. And I pray, Lord, that today your word would come alive to us. I thank you for your ability to speak to each and every one of us exactly in the season of life that we find ourselves. You're so good at speaking to us. And Lord, we open up our hearts right where we are in our lives to hear from you what you are saying. Lord, I pray for the empowerment and the leading of your Holy Spirit. God, to share what's in your heart today. I pray that you be glorified and honored. Let what's in your heart be imparted today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we're in this series called Smart Water. And Jesus, we find that the fact that he is in this place called Samaria, talking to this woman at the well, like it really kind of wasn't supposed to happen. They had probably taken a different route. It probably wasn't where they were expecting to be. As a matter of fact, most Jewish people would have even just avoided even walking through this area in that time and season in history. We find often that an unlikely route or a plan B to us that God can still use it. And he can create divine appointments no matter where you are. And as a matter of fact, When your plans change, when things get changed up, pay attention because God might just be up to something in plan B, plan C, plan D, plan E, and you're like so frustrated that you're not on plan A, and God's like, hey, pay attention because I've got something for you in plan ML and Q and R and S and all of those. Um, We saw that in this interaction that Jesus broke through all these cultural barriers of talking to a Samaritan woman alone at the well, and that we can't allow cultural barriers to keep us from sharing the good news of Jesus. We can't allow the pressures of our day or anything like that to keep us from sharing the love of Christ because sharing the gospel can literally save somebody's life. Uh, We also saw that Jesus has the better water, right? He is the better source. He's got the smart water, the better water. And we know, know that from the book of John, when we study it, that the water that Jesus is talking about is the Holy Spirit, that he, the Holy Spirit will well up in us and give us strength even to eternal life. And today, we are going to pick the story back up in John chapter 4, verse 15, where she says, indeed, she wants this water, and we're going to pick up from there. Again, John chapter 4, verse 15 says this, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water 
so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go back to your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands and the man you're with is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Um, you know, even though she doesn't understand in this story the water that Jesus is offering, all she knows is that she won't thirst anymore. She won't have to keep coming back for the, to this well in her own mind. She is in agreement. She's like, hey, if you've got better water, if you've got a better source of water, I'm in. Even with her level of understanding and what she knew, she's like, okay, I'm in. And then Jesus, as soon as she affirms what he is saying, Jesus pivots and says, go get your husband. Now, I want you to understand today when you read this, Jesus is not being rude, cruel, mean, picking on her. That is not what's going on here at all. And she replies, listen, I don't have a husband, which is technically exactly true. And Jesus reads her mail and prophesies her. Isn't it interesting how he just kind of leads her into it? You know, some of us would go, that's entrapment. No, 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 no. This, it's this kind of entrapment, not that kind of entrapment, right? Um, and he, he reads her mail and he says, you're correct. You're exactly right because you've had five husbands and the man you're with is not your husband. And the reality is Jesus sees and knows that this, this lady is living an immoral life. I find it just so interesting that he did not lead with the issue of her sin. When I say that, I mean in this whole context, if we go back to part one and the whole interaction, the very first thing that happens is Jesus says, hey, will you give me some water? He doesn't like sit there and go, yo, woman, go get your husband. Like, I mean, that's not what's going on here at all. That's not his heart. That's not his spirit. But I also find it fascinating that while he didn't lead with her sin, he also didn't ignore it. I love that he didn't use her sin to shame her. Y'all, shame was a huge part of this lady's day-to-day -day life, the Samaritan woman. He identified her sin and inviting like true honesty and like real openness. And he, he identified her sin in an effort to draw her out and for the, the relationship to be clear. And we, we have this in our own lives, right? right? We, we have interactions with people and there are some topics we don't talk about. You know what I'm talking about, right? And you, you know, it's kind of like the level of truthfulness and the level of transparency and the level of honesty of what's going on in your relationship and things like that's a normal kind of customary thing. But you know, this is Jesus here and Jesus is not satisfied with just the surface conversation. He's willing to go there, but I just love, I'm so impressed with 
his love for her. I, I'm so impressed with how he goes about it. He doesn't avoid her sin, but he also doesn't hit her over the head with it. And the reality is this woman has lived as an outcast. She has lived with shame. She has lived with other people in her community, not accepting her, but rejecting her because of her own decisions in her life. And that's why they. That's the reason that she's even at this well all alone at noon is because the women would come as groups early in the morning and late in the afternoon because it was cooler and they would hang out and they would interact and they would socialize. But this woman was there at noon. It was obvious that it was intentional. She's there all alone getting her her, her water. She's had five husbands. She's with a man who's not her husband and she is all alone. Man. Y'all, Jesus is so good. And and you can see his heart for this woman is I want to remove your shame. But the thing is, is we have to be honest here. We we need to be completely real with one another about what's going on in your life. And I love her. I love her response. She replies, sir, I can see that you're a prophet. Truer words were never spoken, right? I mean, that was that was like so, so, so dead on. So, so why, why do I, I like to kind of role play in these situations and in these scriptures? Because this this whole story could have been there, and us and Jesus not have gone there, right? He could have not brought this conversation. Why does Jesus bring it up? Why does he go there? Well, the reason is already in the Scripture. His intention is to lead her to eternal life. He says, I have water for you. And the water, this water will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. He's already stated his purpose for this conversation is he is trying to bring her an opportunity for eternal life. Y'all follow? Right? And And so he brings up the sin because sin matters. This is what Romans 6.23 says. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, on the route to eternal life, we have to deal with our sin. Because eternal life and the wages of sin is death, are in exact contradiction with one another, right? So we can't go to one without dealing with the other. It's the normal thing. Like you, You don't have death and life at the same time. And so Jesus needs to go there. His manner in which he goes there shows so much about his heart and his intention. For For Jesus Christ came in the world to condemn sinners. No. Jesus came in the, in the, in, into the world to point a finger in the face of every sinner on the planet. No. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of which I'm the very worst. And if you're going to save a sinner like me, you've got to talk about the sin. See, the challenge is, as believers, and, and I, I want to say this too, to challenge you as a believer who's reaching out to people who don't believe. We have to be honest with the fact that we battle with sin. And we have to be honest with the fact that we're not perfect 
and we're working on our own hearts. Do you not recognize that that makes the gospel and the truth more accessible rather than believers to look like hypocrites and like we're an isolationist club? No, the reality is we're all battling sin, we're all overcoming sin, and we're going to be transparent about sin without judging one another about sin because we're all on this journey because we were saved, we're being saved, and we will be saved. Amen? And that being honest without outing each other in ways that are inappropriate and you know trying to shame one another, like all of that really matters. But see, the reason Jesus goes there is because the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. Do you see that? And what did he come? He came to bring eternal life. He led with, I have water. He led with, I have a better source. He led with the carrot, not with the stick. Different use of that phrase. If you're on the podcast, I mean like hit you with the stick, not, yeah, carrot and the stick. I don't know why I mixed that metaphor on you and so that I'd have to explain it. Wasn't in my notes. That's what happens. It's so important to see how Jesus is doing this because he's interacting with you and I the same way. He's, he's drawing us to repentance by his kindness, as, as Romans says. Like he loves us and cares for us and he is going to talk to us about our sin. And sin produces death. The, re- the reason he calls it sin is because it produces death. And the reason he calls it out is because he wants to bring us life. He's not trying to shame you. He's trying to remove your shame. He's not trying to guilt you. He's trying to remove your guilt. He's trying to bring freedom into your life, into my life. And if we want freedom, we have to be willing to talk about sin. Amen? How we do it makes all the difference in the world, but we cannot avoid it. And as believers, I love in 1 John, where it says, it's one of my favorite things about this verse, is that this verse is written to Christians. It says, if we claim to be without sin, we are liars. (laughs) That's written to believers. That's written to you and to me. If you claim to be without sin, you a liar. I know it was written in Southern. (laughs) But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us. And that is our lifestyle as believers. Quick to confess. Quick to come to Jesus. Quick to say that attitude and that heart and that kind of thing. Quick to run to the Father as we ran, as we spoke this morning and sung this morning, right? Quick to go that way. And and the reality is, is the Lord is not going to avoid the sin in my life or in your life. He's not going to avoid it. If sin didn't matter, he wouldn't have identified it as sin. And if sin didn't matter, he wouldn't have gone to a cross. And if you didn't matter, he wouldn't have gone to a cross. So if he is willing to pay this great debt of your sin and my sin, It's incumbent upon us to come to him and be transparent. And I want to encourage you today, and I want to implore to you today, today, don't ignore sin in your life. I'm not talking about condemnation where you nitpick every little thing. I'm talking about there are times in our lives where we go, you know what? 
I'm going to kind of do this both thing. I know that this unforgiveness is a sin, or I know that this immoral thing in my life is a sin, or I know this relationship isn't, isn't right. And we go, I, I kind of want to have both. That's the dangerous thing. Do you all hear me today? And I hope you hear my heart in it. It's dangerous to want to coexist with both. It's dangerous for you and dangerous for me. The analogy that I woke up with this morning was, it's like if our kids are playing with matches up in their room, and they're playing with the matches, and, and a little fire starts, and it goes out, and they come down, and they're scared, and they go, oh my gosh, you know, that I, I, I played with this thing, and it hurt me, and I, I'm, I'm scared, and I shouldn't have done it kind of thing. You know what I'm talking about, right? And that, that kind of situation. The thing is, though, is when we play with matches, dad's in the room. Somehow we disassociate from that. He's in the room. And when your kid comes to you and says, I was playing with my matches and it got out of control, you and I both know, praise God, it didn't get out of control because the whole house could have come down. And the thing is, is when we isolate it with a secret sin and we don't deal with it and we try to coexist rather than run to the Father, that's when we fool ourselves. We lie to ourselves and think, well, he hasn't done anything yet. He doesn't have to do anything yet. You already know. You, the Holy Spirit's already convicting you. And I just want to encourage you. It's one of the, one of the ways that the, the, the enemy plays against us as believers is secret sin in telling us that it doesn't matter. And again, I'm not trying to get you to nitpick everything and walk around in condemnation. I'm saying if you are knowingly walking around with unforgiveness or immorality or the, you know, these things in our hearts that are just like clearly we know better and we're not dealing with it, we're not bringing it to the Lord, that is dangerous for us. And I just want to encourage you. It says in Scripture, confess your sins one to another. There's something about bringing it out into the light. It loses power over you. Don't hide, but bring it out. I, I, I just want to take just a moment and I want to pray for you. We're like just getting started into the message, but I don't want to pivot until I just give you an opportunity to just have a conversation with Jesus. Can we do that right now? Father, I'm so impressed by the way that this story plays out. And God, we recognize through this, through your word, that sin matters. You don't hide it. You don't ignore it. And God, right now, I just pray for us as believers that we would have a mature view of sin. Quick to repent. Quick to come to you. Not hiding. Not posturing. But being honest. Not walking in condemnation or shame. And Lord, I pray for, for us who, Lord, secret sin is a temptation or, or just living with a sin or just deciding I'm just going to let that one be and not deal with that. Lord, let that lie in our own hearts and our own lives. Let that lie dissolve and let true repentance, Lord, sin sent you to a cross. Sin is what is leading us to death. And Lord, today we just say, God, have mercy on us. We know, Lord, that's your disposition is to have mercy on us. And Lord, give us the right step. And I pray for those who need freedom from sin today, need freedom, especially from secret sin today, Lord, let them have the courage to bring it before you and before a safe person that they can trust. And Lord, let freedom come over their lives. God, we thank you for the freedom. It is for freedom that, Lord, you, you have set us free, God. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so let's pick this back up. 
in John 14, 19, where she goes, Sir, the woman replied, I can see that you are a prophet. Now, what's happening now is she's going to pivot herself. She realizes we are not talking about water anymore. Okay, we are talking about spiritual things because now he's prophesying to me and telling me my business. Right. And she's not running. She's drawn in. And so now the world of her own faith and belief. And if you all remember the Samaritans centuries ago split off. It was a split within the nation of Israel. The north, they called Israel and the ten tribes. The south, they called Judea and the, the two and a half tribes down there. And that split. Those folks only believed the first five books of the Bible. They didn't believe the prophets and the kings and all those kinds of things. There was this great split. They worshipped in the north. Uh, the the uh, Judeans, they, they worshipped in Jerusalem. So there's this great split that has been existing for hundreds of years. And they had really abandoned the rest of their faith, right? And so now she's going to get into this conversation of who's right and who's wrong and worshipping God. And this is how she goes She goes, our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, I want to point out, when he says woman, that's not like when you and I go, woman? Like, that's not like a rude husband talking to his wife. Husbands, we don't talk to our wives that way. Amen? All right. Now, when he says woman, he's actually, in that day and age, speaking to her with respect which I think is really important to know here. He's not diminishing her. He's not uh, shaming her. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. That's his acknowledgement that they got off track. Okay? We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. And who is that salvation? Jesus! All right. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. We'll come back to that. For they are the kind of worshipers that the Father speaks. God seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that, Mas- that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes... He will explain everything to us. That's his, her nice way of saying, you lost me, bro. But I just want you to know, I, I just think you're great. You lost me. The Messiah, he's going to like break it down for, him, for me. And then Jesus declares. Y'all, he declares to this lonely woman at a well at noon who's been outcast from her own community and who has made who has been living an immoral life and is living under the shame and the weight and the pain of the decisions in her own life he says to this woman i the one who am speaking i am he the profoundness of this statement that he says to her and the beauty of it is amazing first of all he's revealing himself as the messiah that's kind of a big deal right like that's that's kind of big He didn't do that with everybody. He didn't just come out and said, I'm the guy. And he uses the phrase, I am, which is this like very loaded phrase. It's what what God said to Abraham. He says, I am. It's like the he or 
He says the, he is the I am, like I am your salvation, I am your healer, I am your provider, I am, I am fill in the blank. That is who God is. He is revealing himself as Messiah. He is actually revealing himself as, in his divinity as well. He is completely revealing himself to this one individual. He didn't even wait for the stadium to fill. Come on. Y'all. If the one matters that much, how much do you matter? And if the one matters how, that much to him, how much does every person on the planet matter to the Lord? Right? Y'all, this is about how great the love of God is. This is about how strong the love of God is, that it can break through all of these cultural barriers to reach this woman and come to this place of transparency in this elegant conversation, the twists and the turns, these pivots that it takes. And then she turns the conversation and she begins to talk about worship. In the scripture I just read to you, it says the word worship or worshipers seven times. Y'all, that's a lot of repetition in just a little bit of scripture. This is all about worship now. And she is thinking about the where, and Jesus just takes it off the table. He's, he's like, you, you, the thing is, the where's not going to matter. Because there's going to be a day where you can worship the Lord on Interstate 64, as long as both hands are on the wheel, your eyes are open. You can crank it and you can worship. Don't, don't Pay attention to your driving. You can worship walking in your neighborhood. You can worship in your room. You can worship anywhere you want. There's coming a day where you can worship in any place. And he says, because God is spirit. And his worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. And when he is saying that you worship in spirit and truth, he's saying that you will worship by the Holy Spirit. And in, if you read the whole book of John, it's very clear. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Who is the truth? Jesus, right? So by the Holy Spirit, through Christ Jesus, that is how we will worship. That's how you all, you and I were worshiping today, is by the Holy Spirit and the truth of who Jesus is. He's cutting through the confusion and the debate. There is one God revealed in Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There's not 50 ways to God. It's not confusing or elusive, but he sent his son that if you believe in his son, you see, if you've seen him, you've seen the Father. It's like this clarity coming through. This clarity. If, if you want to know God, you've seen Him in Jesus Christ. And you can worship Him in spirit and truth. And Jesus is he's giving her uh, an early peek at what is coming in this age where we can just worship God by the Holy Spirit and through who Jesus Christ is. And y'all, that is good news for you and for me. Amen? It's such a beautiful thing. I What's also amazing, and I think the thing that just keeps on impressing me, is all of this truth he's giving this one lady who isn't even Jewish. When I say isn't even Jewish, I don't mean that in my heart. I mean in that day and age, his focus in ministry was, was Jewish people, and even his own disciples were like, what are you doing talking to this lady? It's so profound what Jesus is doing in this moment. Well, the impact is pretty huge. In John chapter 4, verse 39, we're going to jump a few scriptures. I'm going to leave out the little part where his disciples come back with their McDonald's or their Chick-fil-A or whatever they came back with. They went and got lunch for Jesus. And they come back and they're like, oh my gosh, we left you alone for like you know, 20 minutes. And what are you doing? Talking to this lady is basically what's going on. And he goes, I have food you don't know of. And they're like, 
Did he like go out for lunch? Who gave you food? And he's like, no, my, my food is to do the will of the Father. Whole thing going on there, but we're going to come back to what happens with this lady. She is going to go back to town. Now, you all got to remember, did this town accept and love this lady? Obviously not, or she would not have been on the noon solo train to the well. Okay? It's obvious that she's not accepted there. John 4.39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. That's what I love about people who are lit, lit up with Jesus. They just start saying stuff that ain't even true. She is totally taking this further. Jesus just said like, he said enough. <laughs> but he didn't say everything. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. Do you all remember in part one how we talked about how like, they weren't even supposed to be there? And I think the disciples were probably just trying to leave Jesus there, run, go get some lunch, and come back. Like, let's just get through here, and let's get back up to Galilee where we're really headed. Let's get back to plan A. And now they're going to stay there for two days. <laughs> I love it. And because of his, now Jesus' many words, Many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Two days. This whole town is transformed. There's so much that you and I can glean out of this. You know, the outcast becomes the missionary. How often is that true? He told me, every, can you imagine the amount of attention she would have got by going into town, drawing attention to her, herself? Come and see for yourselves. I mean, she is now the missionary in her town. And, and you know, we think we need status to speak. All we need is a testimony to speak. Amen? We think we need status or a role or influence. All you need is a testimony that's plenty of influence on its own. And when, 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 when we learn, we learn here that the people first believe because of her testimony. That means that your testimony is very powerful. But then they listen to Jesus. And I think that's really important. We want, when we're talking to people about our faith and when we're talking to people about this Jesus that we've known, we want to, at some point early on, turn them on to God's words. Scripture. Because there's something about hearing the words of Scripture that are inspired by the Holy Spirit. Then you get to know the author of the Holy Spirit and now you've collect, connected them to the main line. God. Amen? Because we're not meant to carry people. It's not our words that carry people. A testimony can inspire. A testimony can be an opportunity for somebody to grab onto faith. But it's going to be his word and the author of that word, the Holy Spirit, that people are going to gravitate to and say, I know the author of who wrote this, and he is speaking to me while I read these words. It's a whole new world that comes open. We are living letters, but we need to introduce them to the sword of the Spirit, the word of God, the powerful word of God. And when they hear that, there's just such an opportunity for people to learn and to grow and to blossom in Christ. This whole town flips over 
because Jesus talks to the one. What if, what if there was one person that God put in your heart and you said the words that God put in your heart? You told them your story. You told them something about Jesus. You said, hey, he can, he can give you a new life. What if you had a conversation with one person? And what if that one person turned their entire family upside down? What if that one person turned their whole community upside down? There's a, there's a power of one in this story. Jesus could have cut to the chase and he could have gone straight for the town. But I wonder if she would have fallen through the cracks. He went straight for someone in that town who really needed him. Maybe the person who you think is so far from God is actually the person that he's leading you to talk to. I want to encourage you today, it's not your finesse, it's not your words, it's not your pow the power of your words, it's not your ability to influence that changes people's lives. It is the Holy Spirit working in someone that changes their lives. You cooperate with what he is doing, and what happens is your words become an opportunity for them to grab onto faith and to get them to, to know the Lord. It is one of the most beautiful and amazing things, and I, I think it's so important for all of us to remember, someone came and spoke to us. Someone shared this good news with you and with me. And you were the one. Whether you were in a crowd or all on your own, you were the one. And there's a lot of ones out there. There's a lot of ones out there. And I pray, God, would you give us a heart for the one. Would you make us a people who are not intimidated by cultural barriers, who are not intimidated by the rules of society, who are not intimidated, but who are compelled with love and compelled to see people know the God that we know. Y'all, I don't know if y'all have watched the news lately, but the world is messed up and broken. Like, there's a lot of brokenness in the world around us. We were in prayer today and Linda said today in prayer, she said, you know, God keeps speaking to me that the answer is love. And we were, we all, we were all in prayer going like, man, that is the word of the Lord. The answer is love. Isn't that what drew you to Christ? And aren't you thankful that he didn't avoid your sin? That he was willing to deal with your sin without shaming you, but also without diminishing its ability to hurt you in your own life. God is so elegant and so wise in how he does those kind of things. And I think for us, that's the word of the Lord for us. The answer is love. And I pray that we could be a people that see the one. That we could be the people who aren't so caught up in our plan A that we don't recognize the divine appointment that's sitting right in front of us. That we would put aside the way we think of ourselves, feel about ourselves, how we want to position ourselves, and that we would just be willing to do some things that don't seem right to see Jesus turn pe people's lives over uh, upside down and turn whole towns upside down. Amen? I want to take a moment and I want to pray. And I want to say today, if you're watching today, listening today, you're here today, and maybe you need to make a decision yourself, 
to follow after Christ. You need to repent of your sins and say, Jesus, I turn away from living my life my own way and I just want to put my life into your hands. I just want to encourage you, Jesus is more excited about that than you even are and he wants to receive you. He wants to wash away that sin. He wants to take off the guilt and take off the shame. He has a new life for you. And if that is a decision that you want to make today, you just go to God and tell him, I want to follow you. I don't want life in my own hands. And I want to ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for raising from the dead. I want the new life that you have. You just tell him today that that's what you want. And if you're making that decision here, I want to hear about it. If you're making that decision, you're watching or listening listening online, I want to ask you to go to victorychristian.church and click on next steps, because we want to hear about it and rejoice with you and put God's word in your hands and everything you need just to follow him and to know him and to have what you need and who you need. Amen. Amen. I'm going to close this morning in prayer. And what I want to pray for is that God will give us a heart for the one. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we we just thank you for your love today. And we thank you, Jesus, for the way that you love this woman, the way that you so cared for her. And today, Lord Jesus, we come before you and we just say, God, may we see people the way that you see them. Help us to remember, God, that we are the one. You came after us. You sought us. You you saved us. And we're so thankful. Lord, help us to see brokenness through your eyes. Yes, sin destroys, but God, you offer a brand new life and a way out. A new life in you, knowing you and walking with you and worshiping you. God, we love you. Lord, we pray this Sunday after Sunday, but our prayer today is that you would become famous in our community and around the world, that people will know who you are, who you really are, Jesus, that you are the Savior of mankind, that you've come to seek and save the lost. Lord, that you haven't come to turn them away, but you've come to draw them to yourself. And Lord, I I just pray, Father, that this good news, this gospel, that you have come to seek and save the lost. Lord, may it be in our hearts and on our lips, and may we be a people compelled by your love, Lord, compelled by your heart, Lord, to tell the truth, to speak the truth, who you are and what you've done. We love you. Lord, thanks for the way that you love this lady. Lord, you don't love that Samaritan woman any less or more than you love us. And I just thank you, God, that you love us that way. So much more than we deserve. And we just say we love you back. We love you back. We worship you and honor you. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church. Have a great day.